Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who had a pretty good-looking pizza yesterday. He sent us a picture of it through our Discord chat. His name is Brandon Siegel. How you doing? I'm doing well, and you know what? That pizza was great. I, we, we visited my sister at Ohio State, um, and we got pizza brought in. Um, and they had like, if anyone knows, like the Blaze Pizza Place, where you can like get like your own personal pizza. It was just like that, and it was fire. Highly recommend uh, to anyone. It's in like Neil Marketplace, I think is what it's called at Ohio State. Um, so I highly recommend if anyone's down there to get that pizza because it was fire, straight fire. It was so great. Of course, we have uh, everyone's. Sometimes you know, some people call them their least favorite. Some people call them their favorite contributor. I don't know. You can make up your own mind. Uh, we have Ben O'Brien with us today. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Um, and actually, I was listening to. Um, the Five Seconds of Fame podcast the other day, and Trevor said that I was his favorite contributor, so I am extremely flattered, and I'm I'm always happy to be here, especially in Trevor's presence, uh, because he is also my favorite uh, host of this podcast. <laughs> well, thank you, Ben. I appreciate that. That's very nice that. to say, but as a contributor, <laughs> you don't get a vote in uh, in that in that circumstance. But we're doing a fantastic a episode planned for you guys today. Um, we're going to start off with Ty Lu. Ty Lu has agreed to a five-year deal to become the Clippers head coach. Um, which is very interesting um, on multiple aspects. But Trevor, I'm going to let you go first here. You're the NBA wizard, as some would call you. Uh, what is your opinion on Ty Lue and the Clippers? Yeah, so with this, I was kind of, you know, I kind of anticipated that Ty Lue might be hired um, once Doc Rivers kind of stepped down. He was no longer the coach, and that is what has happened here. He was interviewing for a couple other jobs as well, but ultimately he has been promoted uh, from assistant to now the head coach of the Clippers. And I, I don't totally get it because I know, as I've said before, like Doc Rivers, I know, yes, you know, he, he's blown some 3-1 leads. Yes, he did win the championship with the Celtics, but then since then, he's been unsuccessful, obviously, with the Clippers, um, you know, with the teams with Chris Paul, DeAndre, uh, and Blake Griffin, those teams, which had a decent amount of talent, and they came up short. They blew a 3-1 lead one of those years. Um, they also uh, now recently have blown a lead with... Uh, this team with Kawhi and Paul George now in the semifinals when they were expected to at the least get to the Western Conference Finals and a lot of people had them winning the the whole thing. I was one of those people. I was wrong, obviously. Um, but you know, despite this, I thought you know Doc Rivers he is still a good coach. And my question was always, okay, so if you do get rid of Doc Rivers, someone who I still think is one of the best, at least eight to ten coaches in the NBA. Where are you getting someone that's going to be better than him? And I don't think Tyron Lue is better than, is a better coach than Doc Rivers based on what he has shown. Um, he has nowhere near the same experience that Doc Rivers has. Uh, yes, he did have the championship with Cleveland, but he had LeBron and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. So obviously a, a lot of talent around you. Um, you know, when you are a new head coach, obviously helps a lot and makes you look good. Not not saying that Tyron Lue is a horrible coach. I just don't think. There was really any reason to fire Doc. Well, I don't know if he's fired necessarily, but get rid of Doc Rivers if you were just going to bring in Tyron Lue. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me, um, but you know it'll be interesting to see what they do. I still think that the Clippers have a lot of talent. Obviously, they are going to be one of the uh, top three favorites. Probably them and the Lakers at the top, and then you know you could throw in there the Nets, the Warriors, uh, the Celtics, the Heat, whoever you're going to throw in there, but. They will be toward the top. I still think they need, like, uh, you know, another piece maybe. Um, and obviously the main thing is the team chemistry. They really just need time to play together and um, really kind of just have a lot of time where they're not mixing up their lineups constantly and they don't have a lot of injuries. So they need the time 
to get that team chemistry. I also think they need a big, probably, that can uh, do a good job against, because you're going to have to beat the Lakers, obviously, to go through. I don't think Harrell is the answer. He's someone who can get played off the floor. He's not the greatest defensive player. Zubac, I don't think, is the answer either, so I think they need a piece there, and then maybe they could uh, then win the championship. But as far as the hiring, I don't necessarily understand it, but, you know, it's what they felt they had to do. Yeah, I, I don't love this at all. I don't like Tyron Lue. I don't think he's that great of a coach. Uh, and I definitely don't understand the Doc Rivers to Tyron Lue, exactly like uh, what you described. Doc Rivers, to me, is one of the better coaches in the NBA. Obviously, uh, not quite as an, enough success with the Clippers, but he, he I think he's going to do well with the 76ers. We talked about this last week. Um, you know, I, I like Doc Rivers a lot. And I, I don't understand uh, the, the play from him to Tyron Lue. Uh, Tyron Lue, to me, has not proven he's a good coach. Uh, obviously, they won with the Cavs, but when you have LeBron James, you essentially don't have to coach the basketball team, uh, and that helps a lot as a coach uh, when you don't really have to do your job in order to succeed. Uh, and he had a lot of great players around him. I'd argue better than what the Clippers have right now. Um, so I don't foresee a ton of the success that I think the Clippers hope for uh, under Tyron Lue. I mean, maybe they will just because they do have that talent, but I don't know. To me, it's a downgrade in terms of coach because um, I you know, I love Doc Rivers. Ben, uh, final thoughts here on Tyron Lue in the Clippers. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Brandon. It's kind of a downgrade just because, like you said, I don't think Doc Rivers is that – or not Doc Rivers, excuse me. I don't think Tyron Lue is that great of a coach either. Um, I, I think the players like him. I think he's definitely a players coach. I think – I'm guessing probably uh, there are two big players, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, are probably um, in favor of this move. They probably liked that it was somebody that was already in their system the last year or so. Um Tyron Lue's a fairly young guy. He's only 43 years old, so he's not much older than these players anyway. Um, so I definitely think he's a player's coach. But if they're going to try to win a championship, I don't think Tyron Lue's necessarily the answer to lead a team to a championship. Um, obviously, he's done it with LeBron, but like you said, Brandon, that's because you have LeBron James. Um, so I don't necessarily think this is by any means a superstar hire. Uh, I think it's kind of a weak one. I'm interested to see how they how they do with him. Um, I'm like, like you guys said, they're still going to be a really good team because they have a lot of talent. Um, but if it comes down to it, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if uh, next year comes and goes and the, the Clippers don't win a championship and you look back and you say Tyron Lue got outcoached against whoever in, in a series in the playoffs. Um, so, again, it's not, not a great move by any means. Um, but, I mean, it's not my decision to make. I'm just here to have an opinion on it. Um, I'm still very intrigued to see how they, how they do this next coming year with Tyron Lue as their, uh, as their head coach. 100%. So let's move on to a different basketball team with a uh, different front office things happening that's the houston rockets um they have uh daryl morey their gm has stepped down um and uh this is definitely an interesting play you know the team that he's put together uh with houston so trevor let's hear some of your thoughts on daryl morey yeah so it, it seemed like you know after the recent years obviously they they haven't gotten the championship that they've set out uh, to get obviously like so many other teams have done with the Warriors kind of being this dominating team in the past you know five or so years most teams have kind of said well we're gonna play for like the next three or three to five years and the Rockets have been kind of in the minority in that sense is where they they say you know it doesn't matter if the Warriors are this juggernaut we're gonna go for the win now anyway we're gonna put uh, James Harden, Chris Paul together. We're going to try to win, and then when that didn't work, then they tried to go with Russell Westbrook and see if that worked, and that uh, has not worked either. So now we see Mike D'Antoni. He is now out the door, and Daryl Morey is now following him. Um, and, and it seemed like it was kind of going to happen because of that, unfair or not, um, because the Houston Rockets in 2018 did come very close to winning a title. Um, obviously, if you remember, 
uh, Chris Paul got injured in that series against the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals in 2018, where if that didn't happen, they may have beaten the Warriors, where they would have then went on to, I would assume, beat the Cavs. Maybe not in a sweep, but uh, I think most people can assume that the Rockets also would have beaten the Cavs in that series since they were, you know, a game away from beating the Warriors. So they had a very good team in 2018, a very good team the year before as well in 2017. It's just unfortunate that they ran into this juggernaut that was the Warriors and also ran into some injury issues as well with Chris Paul. Now, the Russell Westbrook team hasn't gone quite as well as the Chris Paul one, um, and, and now it... It is kind of it just kind of is what it is now. He has to move on, and it seems like the Rockets now, it, you know, like everything they all of their efforts just did not pay off. Ultimately, you know, this league it, it's kind of like results oriented, right? Because, uh, and that's just how it kind of it kind of is that way, fair or not. So ultimately, you know, it, it's tough. You know, it's tough for Maury. You know, I think he's a great GM. Certainly, the what he's done putting together, uh, you know, this team with the Rockets and the way that the pieces have kind of came, and also like changing the way the game is played. Obviously, he's one of the, you know, biggest pioneers. Of course, you have you know Steph, Clay, and Draymond, and they're all playing the way they do. You know, with threes and layups. But I think the Rockets really um, also did that, and maybe even more so in the way that if you look at like where their shots come from, so many of them are threes or points in the paint. So I think from that sense, Daryl Moore has really had a huge impact on changing the league, and I think he can still be a great GM wherever he goes. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to repeat too much of what you said because what you said was really well done. Um, But what happened is Daryl Moore had a good idea. He executed on his idea, but it just wasn't successful. Um, Russell Westbrook, as I've said many times on this podcast, is incredibly overrated and is not a guy you want on your championship winning team because he's not going to be able to lead your team there. So I, I think the idea in theory was really, really great and it was well executed even at that. I mean, you look at a point in time, they had a lot of great players on their team um, and they just couldn't quite get it done. Um, so, you know, I won't go into too much detail. I don't need to repeat everything you said, but, you know, I, I think it was time to move on from Daryl Morey. Um, and I think the different direction of the Houston Rockets could be interesting to see what they do, but they got some rebuilding to do for sure. Ben, any lasting thoughts here? Yeah, like you guys said, I mean, Daryl Morey has done an awesome job. We've heard a lot about in the last couple of years how great of a job he's done, how smart um, of a basketball mind he really is. Um, like Trevor said, they had some extremely talented teams. They had a lot of championship-caliber teams. It's just unfortunate they ran into to the Warriors, who were a massive juggernaut, um, and really nobody could beat them, so... Um, it was unfortunate the timing kind of just d- didn't really work out for the Rockets. Daryl Morey did a great job building that team, and they just they ran into a better team. Um, at the end of the day, that's what it came down to. Um, Daryl Morey stepping away for a little bit. Uh, I think he's got some some family things he wants to deal with, some personal things. I think, I think he just wants to take time away from basketball. He's been with the Rockets for over 15 years, so I think he just kind of wanted a break. Um, I'm reading an article right now. He said that no, by no means does this mean he'll be done. Um, there's definitely an opportunity for him to come back to the NBA at some point. Um, so I just think it was. I mean, it was time for him to step away. He, he's he's tried. I uh, was he was very successful for a, for a, a t- period of time. He didn't ultimately get to his goal of winning a championship, but he still did an awesome job. So I, I do think he'll be back um, in in the near future for sure. Mm-hmm. One hundred percent. So let's wrap up small talk today, and I'm actually going to throw it right back to you, Ben. Uh, we have Le'Veon Bell signing with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the Jets cut him. He, he's been pretty atrocious with the Jets. Not that Le'Veon Bell isn't a great player, and I do think Le'Veon Bell is a great player. The Jets obviously are an atrocious team to be with right now. They are one of the worst in the NFL, if not the worst. Um, but he is now going to the Chiefs, and this is very, very interesting. What do you think about this, Ben? 
Yeah, so like you said, Brandon, I mean, Le'Veon Bell's still a good player. Um, and I think part of it has to do with he was just he was a member of the New York Jets who, for a long time now, have been an extremely dysfunctional franchise. The New York Jets haven't really had a whole lot of success, um, really, this, this century. So uh, it's definitely interesting. It's, it's funny to see him go to a team like the Chiefs because the Chiefs do things so well. They, they're, they're such a well-run organization. Uh, Andy Reid's a phenomenal coach. Their whole offensive and defensive systems are phenomenal. Um, I'm very intrigued to see how Le'Veon Bell fits into their offensive scheme. Um, because, like I said, Andy Reid Andy Reed is um, just so fantastic. He's got such a smart mind for football and for how the game's played. Um, I think really any player is in good hands if they're going to a team like the Chiefs with Andy Reid at the helm. Um, it's just I'm intrigued because, and like we know, this is no secret that the, the lifespan of an NFL running back is not long. And Le'Veon Bell's been around longer than most running backs have at this point. I mean, for a running back, he's, he's pretty old. He's been, he's been in the league not for a long time, but for running backs a pretty long time. So I'm very interested to see what his role will be on the Chiefs. I don't think it's going to be a huge role, but I definitely think he could be a weapon that the Chiefs will definitely want to utilize um, throughout this season. The thing about Le'Veon Bell is he can really do it all, and it's going to be interesting. I 100% agree with you. How are they going to play him? I mean, with Clyde Edwards-Alaire there, um, you know, does Le'Veon Bell take over a little bit? Do they go kind of 50-50 and really split down the middle? I'm so intrigued to see. Uh, and personally, I really like Le'Veon Bell. I didn't like him on the Steelers, but I do like him as a whole. Um, he did uh, a podcast called 17 Weeks last year where after each week they talked about, uh, you know, their their game from that week. Really great podcast. Highly recommend you check it out. It's through Uninterrupted, uh, which I love. Um, but I like Le'Veon Bell a lot. It's going to be nice to see how they play it out. Uh, Trevor, wrap up small talk for us today uh, with uh, your thoughts on Le'Veon Bell going to the Chiefs. Yeah, so I'll, I'll say this quickly because you guys kind of said it, but I think Le'Veon Bell, you know, it's another interesting weapon that the Chiefs had. They're already, you know, maybe the favorite to win the Super Bowl, I would say. So I think this is a good opportunity for both sides. The Chiefs, you know, getting another weapon in addition to Edwards Elaire. Uh, with Mahomes and obviously the good receiving core that they have it's good for them and it's good for Le'Veon Bell because this is an opportunity uh, to get a ring you know really and I know he's 28 but honestly it it kind of is I think for the running back almost almost in a sense late in his career maybe so I think good opportunity for him to get a ring yes 100% so let's let's fully wrap up small talk today go to a little small talk trivia so Trevor what is the scoreboard currently of our trivia game the scoreboard is currently 36 to 33. You have the lead. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so why don't you hand off your question for today? All right, so I'm going with another finals-related question. Obviously, we're going to wrap up the finals here in a little bit. But uh, this yep. one is going to be, uh, who is the all-time leader in field goal percentage in the finals? Now, this so this is NBA career finals leaders for field goal percentage, uh, so this is since 1951, um, and 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 yeah, um, I think it's it's not like I'll, I'll give you one hint because it's a pretty broad question, right? Like, um, but obviously I, I will say because there are a lot of great um, big man that you know that that have high field goal percentage, so I'm just going to give you one hint and say that this person is a Hall of Famer, so. That'll, that'll at least help you a little bit, maybe get you on the right track. And basically, it's not going to be anyone that's some obscure player. You know, I wouldn't do that to you, right? Okay, so they they are currently in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, so they are a Hall of Famer. And they're, yes, currently in the Hall of Fame. And they are the all-time leader in finals field goal percentage. 
So I'm gonna ask. You can say no to this question. You can say like I'm not answering that. Did they play in my lifetime? Uh, that question I am not answering. Okay. Okay. So I had, I had a guess here, um, and if it was in my lifetime, I don't know what I would have said. I'm just gonna give my. I, I'm just gunning it straight off. Okay. I'm gonna say Wilt Chamberlain. Um, he's gonna be my my final answer here. I, I'm I'm truly not 100% sure. If if you said it was in my lifetime, or I guess in our lifetime, I would have had to rethink it and i don't know maybe i'd say like i don't know maybe Shaq or someone i don't know i don't know who i would have picked if that was the case um maybe yeah no i don't know who i would have picked maybe jordan or someone like that um but i'm gonna go with will chamberlain that's my final answer so okay so will chamberlain is not correct but the other person you mentioned Shaq, is correct oh he was correct. yes so Shaq has about uh basically 60 percent uh field goal percentage he is uh first wow chamberlain is fifth with about 56 percent wow wow that's that's crazy okay so my question i'm giving you a college football question because we're getting we're in college football season we're getting to big 10 play and mac play soon so we're definitely going to talk about it some more um, and I want to talk about the Big Ten here. Um, the Big Ten has been known by several names over the years, and it crowned its first champion in, nine, er, in 1896. And that school repeated its championship in 1897. So what school won the first two championships that the Big Ten ever held? Okay, first two championships that the Big Ten ever held. So, yeah. And I gave you a clue before the podcast about this question. I, I said that it can only be like there's not many answers it can be you just got to know what teams were in the big 10 towards the start right right so i mean my my first instinct would say michigan that's that's not i'm not gonna give my answer yet but my first instinct says michigan obviously you're a michigan fan and i believe from the start the michigan would have been one of those teams i'm pretty sure um so michigan's a strong option there now, other teams in 1896, wow, in the Big Ten. So, I mean, obviously, like, if it was Ohio State, you might not give me the question. So, and if it was Michigan State, you might not give me the question. Um, so, I, I almost want to, I don't want to completely rule at Ohio State, but I am going to rule at Michigan State. I think it's very unlikely it's them because um, I know you hate them. Now, other options, um, I wonder if Indiana was there at the start. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. historically, so they haven't been good. a little clue here. Yeah. A little clue. There was only seven teams in the Big Ten at this point in time. Okay, so the seven teams in the Big Ten at the start. So if I would have had to guess, Michigan's definitely there. Ohio State's definitely there. Um, I, I would think Indiana probably would be there. And then you could say possibly Michigan State, Illinois, maybe like Northwestern, Minnesota, Wisconsin, like some of those teams. So Wisconsin's actually another decent guess. Um, but I think I'm going to go with my first gut. I could definitely be wrong here. Um, hmm. But but Michigan seems like a gimme, though. That's the only thing. That's my only hesitation here. But I'm just going to, you know what, I'm going to go Michigan because if I don't go Michigan and it's Michigan, I'll be mad. So I'm going to go Michigan. All right, well, you are not correct. It is not Michigan. Here are the seven teams that were in the uh, the Big Ten at the time. Purdue, Illinois, Minnesota, Chicago, Northwestern, Michigan, and Wisconsin. So, Ben, do you have a guess here, knowing it's not Michigan? Yes, yeah, Sir Brennan. First, I'd like to say I love this question. I think this is an awesome question. Um, Thank you. I, 
I know Minnesota dominated early in the Big Ten. I know Michigan dominated early in the Big Ten. I know Wisconsin had some wins very early on in the Big Ten. Um, so I would narrow it down to those three. And if Trevor guessed Michigan and that wasn't right, either I'd probably either have to guess Wisconsin or Minnesota. I'll, I'll guess Minnesota. My guess would be Minnesota. So you were also wrong, Ben. But... It was Wisconsin. Wisconsin's uh, correct answer. They went two zero and one in the conference. And they went seven one and one in total. Every Big Ten team that year, even Purdue, who came in last in the Big Ten, was four two and one. Seems like there was a lot of ties back in the day. Um, but yeah, so Wisconsin won the first two championships, um, with Michigan winning the next two of four. Uh, so you were close. I, this is why I said it was going to be a tough question, but there was only a couple teams it could be. You just had to know the the history. Which ben, you actually knew that one pretty well. Um, so we stick at the same scoreboard, whatever it was, 66 to 63, is that correct? 36-33. 36-33, my bad, not 60s. We, we, we're not there yet. <laughs> um, but let's get into Randomly Ranked. This is a segment where we take a completely random topic and rank it. It's very self-explanatory. Today we have a very interesting one. I don't know who came up with it. Trevor, did you come up with this one? Um, I mean, we were just... I, I don't know. I, th- I think it was Ben, I don't but know. I don't know. It wasn't me who came up with it, so it was either Ben or Trevor. I just want to give credit where credit is due. Um, and today we have top three favorite sodas. So here's the thing. Thinking of this idea, we've all drank soda in our life. I don't think any three of us I've ever really seen drink soda. So you know what? These are going to be very opinionated. There's going to be no bad answers here because they're all going to be bad. But you know what? We're just going to say that we all have good answers, okay? I know that doesn't make any sense, but just bear with me here. So Ben, I would like you to go first today. What are your top three favorite sodas? Okay, well, first, I, I want to say there are bad answers, Brendan. So if you give a bad answer, I will not be afraid to call you out. Um, All right. My number three my number three is one I feel like is pretty versatile. I feel like uh, nobody really hates it, and that is Sprite. I feel like Sprite's a pretty pretty universally liked soda. Um, I don't think there's people that have a whole lot of issues with it. I think it's it's, it's good at, it's good at any time. I feel like it can fit any, any sort of situation. My number two, okay. My number two is Coke, but not just Coke in general. I think it's vanilla Coke. I think vanilla Coke um, is the best kind of Coke. I, I think cherry Coke isn't bad, and original obviously is fine, but I think vanilla is the best version of Coke, so I put that at my number two. Um, and my number one, it was a pretty easy um, option. I, I don't even think it's it's really not even close between uh, the three the three of my my answers. Number one is clearly the best. It's Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper is the best soda. Um, you can't change my mind. It's clear, clearly the best one, and if either of you say anything else, you're just wrong. I hate to break it to you, but you'll just be wrong. So those are my those are my those are my uh, my top three. So I'm gonna go next here, but before I go next, it's funny because I think Trevor and I would both disagree with that. We actually made a joke beforehand. We were looking at the same list of ranking them, and number one was Dr Pepper on this list. I think we were looking at the same list, right, Trevor? Yeah, Dr Pepper is also number yeah, one on the list I'm looking at. Yeah, and I actually do not have Dr Pepper in my top three, but we do have some similarities, Ben. So let me get to it. Number three, I have Mountain Dew Code Red. Back in the day when I played Call of Duty with my friends, we loved getting Code Red because they would have the Mountain Duty codes on them. That, or excuse me, Mountain Duty, Call of Duty codes <laughs> on them. Um, and we would get stuff in-game, which was really, really cool. Um, so I like Mountain Dew Code Red a little bit. Number two, I put uh, IBC Root Beer. I actually really enjoy Root oh. Beer. Nothing bad with a good Root Beer. Um, so I had to put that on my number two. And number one, Ben, I put Vanilla Coke. I like Coke. I don't think Coke is bad. Vanilla Coke is definitely the best one. So I'm actually excited to hear Trevor's because I think he's going to have some crazy thing on his list. So Trevor, what would be your top three sodas? All right. So I I don't think I've had like soda in 
like a, a year or two. Like it's been a long time. Um, yeah. But nevertheless, I'm gonna go with my top three. If I had to pick, these would be my top three. So number three, I'm gonna start off with Coke. Um, as you know, a a teenager or even like before I was a teenager, Coke was my favorite pop. I loved it. I would get it anytime I went to a restaurant. Uh, but it is no longer my favorite. Um, so my number two is Orange Crush. Now, I, I pretty much could have went with any orange pop. Like, to me, they're all pretty similar, like Fanta, Sunkiss. Like, they're all really good. I went with Orange Crush. Um, but, yeah, I, I love orange pop. I think it's great. Number one. Now, I think I could have realistically, my t- all top three, it could have been straight all Mountain Dew flavors. But I just went with the original Mountain Dew as number one. I think it is the most superior pop for sure. Um, It's very good uh, just in general. You know, it can give you a little bit of, obviously, energy, caffeine. I think it's it's just, obviously, energy energy drinks to me are, like, a better option if I just, like, want something that's going to give me energy. But Mountain Dew is, like, a good, like, backup if I don't have energy drinks available to me, I guess. So Mountain Dew is really good. Um, it tastes great, so I think I got to go number one uh, with Mountain Dew. Easily could have said Code Red, as you mentioned. Code Red's amazing. I think Baja Blast is very good. I think Mountain Dew has a ton of great flavors, you like high voltage. I can go on, but Mountain Dew's my number one. One hundred percent. Okay, so let's get into our main topics for today um, to uh, you know finish out the episode. First up, Lakers and Heat, Game Six. The Lakers took it home last Sunday. Trevor, we're going to you first as our NBA expert. Your Heat obviously lost, um, but they had a great playoff run. So let's hear some of your thoughts on this final game and the whole the series as a whole. Yeah, so Lakers ended up winning this one in six. Um, the Heat did make it interesting. They managed to win game five, which was awesome. And, and we talked about that last podcast, how great it was. Jimmy Butler and LeBron James, just two amazing players going back and forth. Uh, trading buckets. One of the best finals games I've watched in a while, really. I would say that was the best final. I mean, you had like game one of 2018 I loved, and then obviously game seven of 2016 was probably better. But this that game I thought was fantastic. Definitely the best game of this finals, and also better than any game of last year's finals, in my opinion. But the Lakers did win game six. It was a blowout. It wasn't close. The score makes it seem closer than it was. Um, so it was unfortunate. The Lakers really locked up on defense. They just an amazing all-around team effort that the Lakers got. And in any game in the playoffs where the Lakers have gotten a total team effort, where it's been more than just LeBron and Anthony Davis, you know, you get some from Rondo. You had Caldwell Pope playing well. Danny Green actually was decent in this game. He was three of seven from three, uh, eleven points, four of ten. And Danny Green, we we know, hasn't been that great in this playoffs, but he had actually a pretty decent game. And Rondo was fantastic. Um, so with that team effort, it it you know you just kind of knew that it was going to be a blowout. Really, as a Heat fan, I kind of had to hope pretty much every game that uh, the Lakers would have to rely so much on LeBron and Anthony Davis that the Heat might be able to squeeze out four wins somehow, and in some way it would happen. Um, but but it didn't, obviously, and, and that was kind of what I was expecting. So overall, my thoughts are, from the Lakers' perspective, they won the championship. It was good. They were favored. They should have won the championship. However, um, them, you know, you know, not having to – well. I shouldn't say not having to, but really it's like kind of at the Clippers' detriment because the Clippers should have faced them, right? And it should have been like a battle amongst these two Titans and the Lakers won the championship, you know, without having to play the Clippers, which means they didn't have necessarily the toughest path, but 
nevertheless, they were very good. Um, you know, they only lost, I believe, five games in the playoffs, 16-5. That's fantastic. You know, most teams uh, lose more games than that in the playoffs. So from a Lakers standpoint, it's really good. LeBron was Finals MVP. He deserved it. I think after Game 5, it was pretty clear that LeBron was going to be the Finals MVP, although Davis did make a good case. You know, he did play very well defensively. Um, you know, he averaged, I think it was like 26-9 or something like that. He was efficient, so very good from Davis. And I think uh, I think Davis's legacy definitely has risen. I think for LeBron, it has furthered the distance. Um between him and Jordan, I I thought there was a very very close gap, like essentially even, but I gave a very slight edge to LeBron, and now I think there is a little bit more of a gap. I think LeBron has a little bit more of an edge now. He's building the longevity case. He now has four rings with less help around him overall, so I think that's good from a Heat standpoint. I think they overexceeded expectations, and I'm excited for the future. Um, so yeah, yeah, I mean I think that's basically. Uh, my, my thoughts on it. I would like to hear what you guys have to say, though, because I've talked long enough. Yeah, so g- great stuff, Trevor. I, I think, uh, you know, you said it perfectly. So actually, I'm, I'm going to pivot this just a little bit, and I'm gonna, Ben, I'm going to ask you a slightly different question. Does this take away from LeBron's, you know, legacy a little bit? Obviously, it's not a championship, but can you take this championship and say, ah, oh, well, they, you know, it wasn't normal. Can you do that? I know we talked about this earlier, but now that he's actually won, um, with his third team, I should say, one of four players to do that. If you watched a couple episodes, I asked that trivia question. Um, so, Ben, does do, does this take away from you know LeBron's legacy in a sense? What do you think? So if you're asking me if it can be taken away from LeBron, the answer is yes. You, you can take it away from LeBron, and people will. People will say that this doesn't really count. It's not a real ring. There's an asterisk on it. Um, should you take it away from LeBron? Absolutely not. I don't think there's. I don't think you should take it away from LeBron. I think this this actually was probably harder to win than a normal championship. Um, maybe not the competition on the court, but just in general, um, everything going on around you. I think it's definitely a lot harder to win a championship when you're in a bubble for over 100 days. You can't eat the food you want to eat. You can't do the normal routine you want to eat. You're seeing your competition on the elevator. It's just weird. It's different. Um, so obviously, people are going to take a knock on this championship for LeBron because he didn't have to play the Clippers or the Bucks. Um, but how is that his fault? Why, why are you punishing LeBron because the teams that he was supposed to play just didn't live up to their expectations, and LeBron did live up to his expectations? Um, so I actually think if you're going to say there's an asterisk for this championship, yeah, 100% there's an asterisk. But there's an asterisk because it's harder than any other championship that's ever been won before because it's so different. It's so um, not to what these players are used to. These players and professional athletes in general, they're accustomed to routine. They, they're, they're, they're part of a routine. Um, whether that's an off-season routine or an in-season routine, they're accustomed to routine, and this messed up everything. They had to reevaluate pretty much every aspect of their life, of their of their um, playing career, just because this was such an, a very unique situation, such a unique year. Um, so, I I mean, again, I, you can take it away from LeBron, and people are going to, and I've already heard of many people take it away from LeBron, but you shouldn't because I think, um, if anything, it's harder than any other championship he's ever had to win, at least from um, certain aspects. So there's my answer, Brandon. Uh, what do you think? What do you think? Do you think – I hope – hopefully you agree with me, but do you think um, that, that you can take this championship away from LeBron or at least say it's not as great of a championship as, say, one that Michael Jordan would have won? Ben, you, you said everything perfectly. I mean, I, I, I'm just going to repeat basically what you said. The main thing to me is that it would have been harder. They would have had a ton of home court advantage. They would have had home court advantage through the whole playoffs um, if the Bucks lost, obviously. But they did lose. So every team they played, they got home field advantage, you know, in quotations. 
Um, and they didn't get that in the bubble. They they couldn't have a home crowd in their home court, and they obviously no one had to travel, and I, that would give an advantage to the other teams that they they have to play because those teams would be traveling more than them, um, since they'd have more or since they'd have more games at home if it went to seven. So I don't know. To me, it seems like it was much more difficult, especially with all these circumstances that are happening. Your family is not there. You know, you got to be worried about them. You had to stay in the bubble for three months or whatever it was. To me, it was a lot harder. Um, and, you know, I'm happy LeBron won. I would like to say that Ben and I correctly predicted a LeBron championship. Uh, and, yeah, that should have been expected, though. LeBron, you know, is the greatest player of all time. Uh, Trevor, I don't fully agree that it was close. I would say that it's not close, and now it's even further away. Um, <laughs> you know, and it, it wasn't really that close before. But, you know, that argument's for a different day. Let's move on to some college football. We haven't talked about college football that much, but we got a really, really big game yesterday. Uh, we had Alabama versus Georgia, two versus three. We got to see my favorite college football player play, Najee Harris, the running back on Alabama, who carried the ball 31 times for 152 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Matt Jones looked, or Mac Jones, excuse me, looked great, 24 for 32, 417 yards, four touchdowns. We saw the beautiful throw uh, to, uh, I think it was John Michi, um for 40 yards uh, in the first quarter uh, from him. So a lot of great play uh, from Alabama. Uh, Georgia definitely not looking quite as good. They let Justin Fields walk, which is insane to me. Um, and I think Justin Fields is the best quarterback in college football uh, and should be the number one overall pick. Uh, but let's get some of your thoughts on this game. Uh, Trevor, I'm going to start off with you. What do you think about this game? Yeah, so I mean, it was interesting. I mean, it was close in the first half, obviously, and then Alabama pulled away and ended up winning by 17. Um, it seems like they kind of wore out Georgia's defense a little bit. Obviously, as you mentioned, Najee Harris, a uh, very talented running back. I expect him to go... Uh, pretty high once he is, uh, you know, eligible for the draft. Um, so, yeah, he's a very good player. Mac Jones played very well, four touchdowns, one interception. And, you know, Alabama, they won as I expected, but I, I was hoping maybe it would be a closer game, and it was in the first half, but then Alabama pulled away. So uh, pretty pretty characteristic there of Alabama. I think, again, you know, I, I when we talk about college football, I talk about a lot how, like, I wish we could see new teams at the top instead of Alabama and Clemson, but as of now, those are the top, two top teams, it seems like. Yeah, Clemson took, they got a big win, 73-7. to um, But, uh, Ben, let's, let's just hear, you know, a couple thoughts here on this game, Alabama versus Georgia. Yeah, so, I mean, at halftime, it was 24-20. Georgia was winning, and Alabama lo- yeah. looked like, but I remember I watched the halftime interview, uh, right, at, like, right when halftime was starting, they interviewed Nick Saban, and he was actually in a good mood. He said, um, they're, they're playing well. My, my team's ask, or they've done a lot of what I've asked them to do. Um, he, he seemed like he was in a good mood considering he was losing to a team that I would assume they were probably the favorite to win. Um, so he, he didn't seem like he was too worried about it at halftime. And what happened is they came out in the second half and they kicked Georgia's butt. I mean, Georgia didn't score again. They shut him out in the second half. Mm-hmm. Alabama wins the second half 21-0. Um, and I, this was expected. I mean, Alabama was supposed to win this game. They're the better team. Um, I say this every year about Georgia, but every year I feel like they're ranked super high, and I feel like they're never as good as what their ranking says. I don't think Georgia's probably the third best team in this country. Maybe maybe they are. Maybe I'm completely wrong. But from what I've seen, I don't feel like Georgia's probably the third best team in this country. Um, so, I mean, it's just it was expected. Maybe, maybe not Alabama winning by, what was it, 17 points, but I, I do think Alabama was the better team, and I think the better team won last night. Yeah, I 100% agree. So let's move on over to our final topic today, the NFL. Uh, first up, Dak Prescott. Uh, got the the season-ending ankle injury, so yeah, I feel so bad. Uh, I really like Dak, uh, although the the Cowboys are not good. Uh, but he's played really, really well so far this year. It would have been exciting to see you know him get his contract, and I hope he still does. Um, but moving forward, we have Andy Dalton as the quarterback. So Ben, I'm going to start off with you here, okay? 
Andy Dalton is the quarterback. Uh, is there success there, you think? I mean, they, he's probably the best backup in the league. So do you think they're, they can succeed without Dak Prescott and Andy Dalton at the helm? So obviously, um, and I've watched a lot of Andy Dalton pretty much his whole career. I've watched um, Andy Dalton play since he was drafted, what was it, 2011 or something like that. So uh, I'm very familiar with Andy Dalton. I will say, Andy Dalton, if he has players around him, he is not a bad quarterback. I think he's a middle-of-the-pack quarterback in the NFL if he has players around him. Um, that being said, he's he's not Dak Prescott. I mean, there's no secret here that he's not Dak Prescott. Um, they're not going to get the same production out of Andy Dalton that they did out of Dak Prescott. But I do think Andy Dalton is capable of you know helping them win some games. Obviously, they're in a terrible division, so they're not playing really any good teams. Um, but then again, they're not a good team either. Um, so I, I think... Andy Dalton's capable to a certain extent, but he's not going to wow you. He's not going to throw for five touchdowns in a game. He's more of a game manager, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, and what we saw, Dak Prescott goes out. Andy Dalton, the last drive of the game, goes down, has a beautiful throw to, uh, who was it, uh, Michael Gallup or something like that. Um, and they, they win the game. So, I mean, Andy Dalton's a capable quarterback. He's definitely capable of winning some games for him. But uh, by no means would I be happy that Andy Dalton's uh, the quarterback for the Cowboys, especially when you had somebody like Dak Prescott, who was having a good year. Um, so, I, I mean, I think the Cowboys, they'll have a decent record. I, I've been saying for weeks that the Cowboys are destined to go 8-8. Eight and eight. They might not go 8-8 eight and eight this year. They might go 7-9. and nine. Um, But, I mean, they're not going to be the worst team in the NFL, but by no means are they going to be the best team. But I think, like I said, it does help that they're in a terrible division. So, um, Cowboys fans, obviously they should be upset that they don't have Dak anymore, but they shouldn't be too upset because, like you said, Brandon, Andy Dalton's a pretty good backup quarterback, probably the best backup yeah. quarterback in football. Um, so I, I do think there is somewhat of a silver lining there that at least they have Andy Dalton and they don't have some scrub that's now um, leading the team for the next, what is it, uh, 10, 11 games, something like that. So um, it, yeah, it definitely right. could be worse. It definitely could be worse for Cowboys fans. 100%. So, Trevor, I'm going to switch gears for our kind of final, final topic today. Bills versus Titans. Um, we saw the Titans slaughter the Bills. I mean, really just killed them. Um, and, you know, the Titans are really a great football team. I, I have a lot of faith in Ryan Tannehill, a lot of faith in Derrick Henry. Uh, their defense is pretty sound, keeping the Bills to only 16 points. Josh Allen uh, was looking like a potential MVP prospect. Uh, and they, they really, you know, made him look horrible. Eh, maybe not horrible, but not so great. Uh, give me some of your thoughts on this game, Trevor. The in-depth analysis. Yeah, so I was very surprised at the result. Obviously, I, I didn't necessarily expect... I mean, expected it to be a close game either way. I didn't know who was going to win. I thought it was kind of a pick em. And the fact that the Titans destroyed them 42-16, it surprised me. Um, now, I, I have always thought that the Titans were a very good team. After watching them beat my Patriots last year in the playoffs, I mean, Derek Henry, to me, is fantastic. Tannehill, um, originally, like last year, I was thinking, I was like... The hype started to creep up late last year. I was like, I don't know. I don't know about Ryan Tannehill yet. But now I'm pretty convinced that Tannehill, at least he's probably like a top 10 quarterback, it seems like now, which is really good. He's really improved um, because when I was watching him on the Dolphins, he was pretty bad. So I think he's turned it around. Obviously, it seems like he's he's in a better situation now. He has a really good running back, decent offensive line. He has some pretty good weapons um, and a good defense. So I think it, it, all, it all works out for Tennessee. I think at the moment, they definitely look like a top three AFC team, um, if, if only behind the Ravens and Chiefs, in my opinion. But Tennessee might be a contender. I mean, they, 
They made it to, you know, the AFC Championship last year, and they might have a shot again this year. I think it's going to be really interesting to see um, what they do because Tannehill's gotten better. Henry's still really good. Um, and in the defense, yes, they gave up 30 points to the Jaguars and Vikings. That's at least a little bit concerning, you know, when you go up against a team like the Chiefs. Like, are, are the Chiefs going to completely just, like, put up 40 points on you? Um, that, that could happen, and that would not be good. So, there's some concerns, but the Titans do look very strong, you know, overall compared to most other teams. Yeah, 100%. Um, I'll just get my last thoughts here, and Ben, I can throw it over to you if you if you have anything you want to say. The Titans are good at football. Very, very good. They're 4-0. They're really riding this on. I think the Bills are a great team, too. Um, you know, I, I think the Titans have a potential to be even better than the Ravens. Um, obviously, beating them last year in the playoffs. Um, and I, I think, you know, locking Tannehill in, keeping Derrick Henry was big for them. A.J. Brown's really flourishing. Um, so I have a lot of faith in the Titans, and I think they could go pretty far in these playoffs. You know, see if they can challenge the Chiefs, who look good uh, some games and not so good in other games. So we'll see with the Titans. They, they seem pretty good to me. Ben, any last thoughts on this game before we wrap up the podcast for today? Yeah, I'm excited to see what the Titans can do this year. I mean, they, obviously they have an amazing running back in Derrick Henry. Um, probably the best player on my fantasy team, so I'm going to need, need him to keep up this production that he's been doing the last couple weeks. Um, and Ryan Tannehill has pretty much done everything they've asked of him, of him as a quarterback of that franchise. So um, I think they're, they're rolling right now, definitely. I'm excited to see uh, uh, how they how they do in the, in the coming weeks. 100%. Okay, so I think we'll, we'll wrap up the episode there for today. Thank you all so much for listening. We really, really appreciate all the support on the podcast. Um, go uh, follow us on Twitter. The link is in the description. It's at the Small Baller, and of course, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. Um, and if you'd like to, and if you think the podcast is good, give us that five star rating. We really, really appreciate all of that. But with that being said, thank you all so much for listening today, and we'll see you next time. Go Falcons!